What a glorious day it will be when Jesus comes again. And he wants us to be ready to meet him. Not merely fathers and mothers, but our children, our whole family. You know, the Bible says that before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, Elijah the prophet, that means the message of Elijah the prophet, will go to the world, calling daddies and mothers' hearts to their children, the children's hearts to their daddies and mothers. It involves a whole family becoming closer and closer as a knit unit in Jesus Christ, ready to meet Jesus Christ. Oh, we have every reason in the world to claim the promises of God that we might learn the simple principles of family communication. We want to share with you at this hour seven special secrets of family communication. We've announced this subject, why two marriages failed. We met these two very sincere ladies. Both of their husbands were professional men, and both of these men were already infatuated with another woman. These ladies came to our meeting, stayed for the after service. We shared with them how they could claim the wonderful promises of God's immutable, eternal, impeccable word. And as we told them how they could claim promises that their loved ones would be delivered, I remember how they sat there and they just looked as though it was incredible. Do we have a right to claim a promise that our mate will fall out of love? You do. We do? Where in the world do you get that? From the book of books. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, God will deliver those who all their lifetime were subject to bondage. Genesis 3.15 says, God will give a man a hatred for the thing that he loves. Only God can give a man the enmity for the thing that it, with which he was infatuated, but God can do it. God has been doing it for 6,000 years. He'll continue to do it if we let him. But we made clear to these ladies that to every promise in the Bible, there are conditions. Now, these conditions we cannot fulfill in our own strength. That is why we share in all of these services promises of how the Lord will give us the strength to live up to the conditions. Christ in us is the only way by which conditions can be fulfilled. That's why Paul said, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So all the laws of marriage, all the secrets of marriage communication are really schoolmasters. They're saying to you and me, you cannot do it of yourself. You must reach up to that higher power. You must, must reach up and take hold of divinity. And that is why I've given you promises. Second Peter 1, 4 says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So as we share with you seven secrets, Bible secrets, of family communication, I hope every one of us will realize, friends, that we're not intimating, we're not suggesting that a human being can conform to these laws except as Jesus Christ lives in us. The seven secrets briefly are these. Number one, Jesus. Number two, the joy of Jesus. I want you to notice that the joy of Jesus as I studied with these, as we studied, in fact, my wife was with me, 
as we studied with these two very sincere ladies, who naturally were heartbroken, that the only way by which they could expect the Lord to work through them to allure these mates of theirs back to them, even though the mate was in the wrong, since they wanted to allure the mate back to the Christ in them, the only way was for them to ask Jesus Christ to make them joyful spouses. There are 826 texts of Scripture that indicate that you and I should be happy and joyful, buoyant, even in the most severe conflicts, the most terrible temptations and trials. We are to do this because the Bible says all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, Romans 8, 28. And it says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So all of the events in life are screened first by our wonderful Lord. Aren't you glad? And then we say, Lord, since you have screened these events and you have only permitted that to come to me, which is for my good, I shall look to you, according to Romans 8, 32. You spared not your own son. He died on Calvary. And that was the gift of heaven. Anything that you give me constitutes no sacrifice to you. Your sacrifice was Calvary. You certainly can give me the power, the ability, the strength to conform to your, to your laws. You can help me to be happy in tribulation. Nobody but God can do that, friend but God can. Psalm 16, says, in his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. How in the world can we be happy and rejoice in trouble except as we know that God is using this trouble to refine us so that we shall be ready when Jesus comes. These ladies were not Christ-centered, they were self-centered. I mean it kindly. They pitied themselves. Who wouldn't naturally? They were full of self-pity. What have I done to my husband that he should do this? What had they done? They had not been unfaithful. The husbands were not fair. And yet if they wanted to win them back, they must look up in the face of the Lord and say, Lord, you give me the joy of Jesus because I know that you've not permitted any trouble to come to me except that which is for my good. And since you gave all heaven in the gift of Calvary, you've not forgotten me. You're going to stick by me in this trial. Fill me with a joy that my husband would rather see my countenance than the countenance of the other woman. Those are the first two. We call them the laws of divine allurement because Hosea 2.14 says, I will allure, that's Jesus. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The strength of marriage is the joy that we that we share. The next two secrets that these dear, precious, sincere, conscientious ladies knew nothing about are the secrets of humility and choice. These two laws, these two secrets are Bible secrets. Choice is presented from Genesis to Revelation. And the Lord said, choose now, choose ye. Not that I will choose for you, you do the choosing. Joshua 24, 15. Jesus said, in effect, if you choose to come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. If you will learn of my humility, my meekness, you'll find rest. So choice and humility, Christ's humility, is one of the outstanding principles 
that mates who separate have never learned. I have never yet seen a couple separate who have followed the simple principles of Jesus and joy and humility. Humility means I look up to the other person. Philippians 2, 3 says, esteeming other better than myself. Oh, marriages that fall apart. You know what the mates of those marriages are doing? They're belittling the mate. What are you doing? How are you treating me this way? Why do you act this way? But when we see the humility of Jesus Christ as manifested on Calvary, for those that were so mean, those who persecuted, we say, my, how could he say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Our Christ in us is the hope of glory. And Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He made himself of no reputation. My friends, if marriage partners would not belittle the other and yet would not strive for their own reputation, something tremendous could happen to any marriage. That's humility. Choice means instead of our trying to program our mates, we let the Lord Jesus take over. A lady came to a minister and she said, Pastor, I don't know what more to do to my husband. She said, I've nagged him, and I've picked at him, and I've told him, and I've told him, and I've picked at him, I've nagged him, and I've, I've told him, what now shall I do? He said, stop talking to your husband. Even stop talking to him about Jesus. She said, what? He said, yes. Now talk to Jesus about your husband. What a difference. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Two outstanding characteristics of Jesus Christ were he gave men freedom to choose. And secondly, he looked up to people. The woman of Samaria, he honored her. Mary Magdalene, he honored her. Zacchaeus, that thief of a collector, he honored him. Matthew, sitting at the receipt of custom, another thief, he honored him. The thief on the cross beside him, he promised him paradise. Talk about humility. Jesus added. Then the last three secrets of marriage communication are faith, hope, and love. By the way, let me go back just a moment to the law of choice and the law of humility. The law of choice we call the law of the sovereign will. This means surrounding every individual, there's an invisible circle. Inside of this circle, he is the king, she is the queen. No one has the right to encroach on that special sovereign circle. Even though he be husband or she be wife. Choice, the law of the sovereign will. Humility is the law of the third level down. That's Philippians 2, 5 to 9. Jesus was God, that's the first level. He became man, the second level. He became the servant of man looking up to people. That's the third level down. And the Bible teaches it. 1 Peter 2, 17 says, honor all men. Think of it. Philippians 2, 3 says, esteeming other better than ourselves. Imagine. Titus 3, 2 says, speak evil of no man. My, when we do that, by the grace of God, people feel at ease in our presence. The reasons why mates separate is because they don't feel at ease. The reason why they don't feel at ease is because one or the other is programming the other or belittling the other, or both are doing it. Now we come to the last three, faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. You know, I used to read that as a young man and even as a young minister. I never dreamed that those three secrets, faith, hope, and love, 
are two of the most outstanding high-pressure secrets of family communication. If you and I want to high-pressure people to do right, these are the ones. For instance, faith. Faith is the victory law, 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. When we speak faith in our spouse instead of doubt, that is used by the Lord to gain that spouse, for, to gain for that spouse victory over the other person. This is the victory. Spoken faith. Numbers 14, 28 to 32 says, As you've spoken in my ears, so I will do. These ladies never once spoke faith concerning their, their mates. They had lots of doubt to tell us about. And I want to tell you, did they doubt? And humanly speaking, did they have reasons to doubt? The one lady, Kay, said, she said, my husband is in love with a, with a woman and he's all ready to marry her. And he said, she thinks she is it. And he thinks she is it. I said, claim the promises of God and he can fall out of love and not merely fall out of love with her. But if you conform to these seven secrets, he'll fall in love with you again, 99 chances out of 100. She said, but there's no hope. He's already in love with this woman, planning on marriage. A few days later, he said, he has married her. I said, they can unmarry. <laughs> they can divorce. The other one, Beatrice, said, my husband, there's, no, there's not a chance in a thousand. She said, my husband is in love with a hypnotist. She said, this woman is the meanest, the cleverest, the smartest thing I've ever heard of in my life. He said, she, she said, she is now in a clinic with a group of doctors in counseling. And she claims to have a PhD in counseling. She said she has no degree whatsoever. What she did was to get a hold of some university uh, yearbooks and she and she uh, took the names and, the, uh, and wrote for the transcript of various individuals, put them all together, forged her name, and came up with a degree. And she said she really, she is able to even fool these doctors. She's fooled my husband. She said, Pastor, there's not a chance in a thousand that my husband would ever fall out of love with her. I said, don't you worry. God is more powerful than the devil. What do you say, friends? Amen. Amen. I said, God can do it. She said, I don't see how he can. Oh, we don't have to see how. God is God and he does the impossible. But remember, these are seven secrets. You talk faith, not doubt. Faith is the victory. Doubt is sin, Romans 14, 23. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Faith is the victory law. Talk faith. Talk faith in the person whom you have naturally no confidence that's the way he longs to live up to your confidence oh is that yes it high pressures but it's a kind of pressure he likes faith hope and love let's deal with love <clears throat> now i said love love is not selfish love love never says to the mate you're breaking my heart love is studying how can i make my mate happy <clears throat> that's love this poor me, pity me, is not love. So you'll, you'll take an interest in his happiness. Joyful, you'll bubble over with joy in Jesus. You'll not pick on him or belittle him. That's choice and humility. 
You'll talk faith in him because of the power of God. You will study how you can unselfishly please him. That's love. And the combination of faith and love, for love never faileth, by the way, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never faileth. And the combination of the two is hope. And Romans 8, 24 says, we're saved by hope. If you can talk, not discouragingly anymore, if instead of talking discouragingly to your mate, you say, there's hope for us, we're going to make it, it can save your marriage. God can use it to save your marriage. I'm sorry to say, my friends, that these dear ladies were unable to reach up. They could have reached up and take hold, taken hold of the love and the power of Jesus. But failing to do it, though both men fall out, fell out of love, fell out of infatuation with their mates. For this man, this man that was infatuated with this hypnotist, he finally turned from this woman with the, most, with the deepest revulsion I've almost ever heard of. His love for her turned to, to revulsion, of the, revulsion of the deepest hue. But he didn't come back to her. Why? Because the laws of allurement, Jesus enjoyed, she had not learned. The laws of choice and humility, that is, don't belittle and don't pick, she hadn't learned. The law of talking faith and hope and love, she hadn't learned. The same thing happened to the other. Why did two marriages fail? Because the laws of the home, the laws of communication, they had not studied. Do you remember as we prayed at the beginning of this, of this message, we read that promise found in, uh, in Deuteronomy 11:21. If we'd follow his rules, we can have days of heaven upon the earth. Why don't we say, oh Lord, help me to follow your rules. Give me the strength and the power, and he'll do it. Yes, the first question um, that someone has is, you stress in your talks the importance of remaining cheerful and loving in spite of things your mate may do that displease you. If you're married to a non-church member, how do you remain cheerful and avoid tension and arguments when your mate wants you to go drinking and dancing in nightclubs or do things that are contrary to what you believe the Bible principles are uh, on God's holy day? And your mate becomes upset and bitter when you refuse to go along and be submissive and uh, how do you please your mate in a situation like this? I say that's a very sincere question. Wouldn't you say so, friends? Very sincere question. Here is a mate who wants his or her spouse to engage in questionable conduct for a Christian. Uh, let us notice two or three uh, phases of the answer. Number one. Any spouse should thank the Lord that they have a conscientious spouse, right? My, you know, how we can thank the Lord that we have spouses that are, that are conscientious, that they want to do right. If this person was hoping that his mate would, uh, would go to, with him to these drinking, dr dancing, whatever have you parties, if he had a mate that... that uh, cared nothing about the, the, the conscientious obligations to God, how could he trust such a mate? So thank the Lord that we still have men and women in the marriage vow who say, 
I want to be faithful to the Christ who died on Calvary. Thank God for such people. What do you say? Amen. Thank the Lord for them. The second is, when this friend who, who doesn't have exactly the same principles that this conscientious mate referred to here, when this mate urges the spouse to go to these places, what should the, how can the spouse be happy and joyful and still say no? That brings us to the second phase. In Romans 12, 21, it says, overcome evil with good. It says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We've recommended to many dear Christian people who happen to be members of our own church family and whose spouses uh, did not see things spiritual in the same light, we have suggested that this member of our church family would think ahead prayerfully, claiming a promise for wisdom, and say something like this to the Lord, Dear Lord, I know just about the places that my spouse would like to have me go. Conscientiously, I can't go to these places because 1 John 2, 14 and 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the love of the, 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 the lust of the eye, the, flesh, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life are not of the Father but of the world. The world passes away. So, Lord, I can't love the world and love you. So, Lord, how can I overcome evil with good? Instead of always saying to my mate, no, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. That isn't a good way to approach the problem. Lord, how can I say, look, instead of this, let's do this and we'll still be together. Instead of this, how about this? Or better still, looking ahead, having claimed the wisdom of the Lord, knowing about what the mate would expect, before the mate says, will you go with me here? Even before it comes up, say, say, I have a suggestion. How would it be if we went to such and such a place at this day and hour? So instead of our being, no, I can't, no, I can't, no, I canters, we're suggesting things that two individuals who don't see exactly like spiritually can engage in. You see, this is very important. The Lord will give us this wisdom. Thirdly, when the mate does get upset, nothing but Jesus Christ can give us peace. Here's a promise. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Now we can ask and we can believe and we can claim this peace. Let me give an illustration. There was a minister, a very godly minister, that was conducting a series of meetings in one of our educational institutions. There was a young lady that invited this minister to give her some counsel, this student. She said, Pastor, I just have lost my peace of mind. It doesn't make too much difference what caused her to lose her peace of mind. She'd lost it. She said, Pastor, how can I regain my peace of mind? And he quoted to her, the promise that I've just quoted from John 14, 27. And very kindly he said to her, uh, do you believe the Bible? She said, yes, I believe the Bible. He said, all right, we'll kneel right down and we'll ask God to give you this peace and reach right up and take this peace. 
So they knelt, they asked God to give her this peace. Jesus said he would. They said, Lord, we believe you're giving us this peace, or words to that effect. Thank you, Lord, you have given us this peace of mind. And the pastor said, you have the peace now in Jesus. And he went on his way. They weren't together more than perhaps 10 minutes. Several days, or perhaps a few weeks later, the pastor received a letter from this student. Dear pastor, she said, do you know, when we knelt down together, and we asked God to give us the peace that he promised, and we told him we believed he was doing it, and I reached up with you in simple faith and took it, I've had the peace of Jesus ever since. There's much more to the answer, but since there are other questions, this may suffice for the moment. Next question. Yes, the next question that uh, has come is, if a faithful mate acts overjoyful with an unfaithful mate, couldn't it encourage unfaithfulness in the non-Christian mate? Uh, no. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, Jesus, the joy of Jesus in our heart is the thing that draws people to us. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you want to heal a marriage, don't forget uh, Proverbs 17.22, a merry heart doeth good like a what? Medicine. It's not poison, it's a medicine. She can act happy and jovial. jovial. You know, married partners like to have their mate happy. They really appreciate it. Now, that doesn't mean that she's got to talk him to death. <laughs> Some people think in order to be happy, they've got to talk like a magpie. No, 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 no. When he comes home, treat him, be sweet, and then give him a little chance to breathe. Most businessmen who have talked to people and are exhausted talking all day, they would like their wife to greet them very kindly and sweetly and then say, nothing. <laughs> Just let them come up for air, you see. The same is true on the opposite sex level. I'll write the next question. This person is interested in the law of humility, and it says, if you act humble around a mate that naturally wants to walk all over you, uh, aren't you going to get walked on worse? Don't I have to stand up for my rights? That's an excellent question. You see, humility doesn't mean that I'm a worm. Humility doesn't mean that at all. Humility means that I look up in respect to the person. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he said, I am still your Lord, right? I'm still your master. He didn't become a worm in washing their feet. He merely honored them, showing that as we honor someone else, we're sowing a seed. We're sowing a seed by which they will honor us, you see. Uh, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. I often like to repeat what Billy Sunday used to say. He said, cast your bread on the waters, and after many days it'll come back buttered. <laughs> Next question. Can, uh, can you give a promise that even though my mate is presently in the divorce process, brought about partly because of my own sin and because I wasn't a consecrated Christian, now that I'm a consecrated Christian and am through Jesus Christ being given a new nature, can you share a promise that my mate is a professed Christian? Uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. Well, it, I think there are two parts to it. I believe that it means that here a divorce is pending. 
And if I get it wrong, just write another one. We'll answer it. Here, a divorce evidently is pending. The individual writing this is saying, I'm to blame. I'm partly to blame. Maybe I'm in the wrong to a great extent. If I claim a promise, I think this is what they're saying. If I claim a promise now, at this late date, could I still save the marriage? The answer is, maybe. <laughs> but you can at least expect God to save your, home, your, your soul, to save your soul. And in many cases, probably more than 50% of the cases, you can save your home. Now, <clears throat> if I were to recommend what you'd do, first of all, you'd learn these seven secrets. You'd plead with God to help you to put them into effect. Philippians 2.13, it is God that what? Worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. I would study it for all I'm worth. To give you a little picture of how, <clears throat> how successful it may be, I'm thinking of a man that came to us. His wife had left him. She never planned to come back to him. He came on a several hundred mile trip to seek counsel from us. I shared with him these seven secrets, and in particular, I shared with him the law of choice, for he'd been bossing her. <laughs> I shared with him the law of humility, for he'd been belittling her. I said, you must practice, 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 and say to yourself, if she ever comes back, I will not tell her what to do. I will not tell her what to do. I will not tell her what to do. I will not belittle her. And I drilled him and drilled him and drilled him. And I said, go home and just drill yourself. I will not tell my wife. I will not boss my wife. I will not belittle my wife. I will not boss my wife. I will not belittle my wife. In the meantime, he got a hold of our book entitled Path to the Heart, and he found the Lord. And then I called her on the telephone. And I said, your husband is a new man. This is the way we often do. Your husband has found the Lord. If you see fit to come back to him, I'm not telling you what to do, but if you would like to experiment, I'm not going to apply any pressure. If you come back just to satisfy yourself that he's changed, I shall apply no pressure, and I'll let him apply no pressure for you to remain with him. You can just come on an experiment. She said, if I come back, he's got to pay the, the plane fare. I said, well, regardless of that, how would it be if you just came without, uh, without uh, and still give him a little choice? She said, but I'll tell you, you'll have to change a lot if he ever expects me to stay with him. Don't feel that any of us are going to tell you to stay with him. Just come and do a little research. <clears throat> you know, after about three telephone calls, she came. She said, but I don't want him to know where I'm staying. I said, we've worked it all out. He'll never know where you're staying. He can't kidnap you. He can't come to your house. You'll be as free as a bird. A medical doctor and his wife put, uh, put her up. <laughs> and we had counseling and together. We counseled about three times together. She saw that her husband was a new creature in Christ Jesus. And they fell in love. That happened years ago, and they're still in love. <laughs> Thank you. Here's a question. Isn't one of the greatest causes of divorce self-pity or self-centeredness? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You see, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 says, love never faileth. But as it discusses what love is, it says, love seeketh not her own. This is 1 Corinthians 13. Love seeketh not her own. 
Every time that a spouse says to the, to the mate, you are hurting me, that drives the mate farther than before. All the whimpering, all the self-pity drives the mate away farther. You know what courtship is? Courtship is a bubbling over allurement. The opposite of bubbling over allurement is, look at what you're doing to me. You're breaking my heart. And that drives them farther away. You're right. But love, unselfish love, joyful unselfish love, never faileth. Isn't that tremendous? Is there another question? Yes, this person apparently was taking notes but wasn't able to get down all seven of the laws in order. Would you give those seven just one more time? Yes, we'll summarize them. Number one, Jesus. Number two, joy. And you put the two together, Jesus and joy. The joy of Jesus in a marriage is the strength of the marriage. Nehemiah 8:10. Jesus himself gives us joy. Psalm 16:11. Putting these two together, they're laws of strong allurement. Hosea 2.14 says, I will allure. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So the joy of Jesus actually draws the mate to us. The next two are choice, Joshua 24.15, and humility, Philippians 2.5-9. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He was in the form of God, that's the first level. He became man, that's the second level. He became the servant of man, that's the third level. Jesus was born in a stable, cradled in a manger, and died between two thieves, and he ministered on the third level down. When we respect everyone, that's humility. When we cease to boss people, that's choice. Then the last, and those two together, are the laws of human ease. We have, found, we have not found one marriage where people separate except where one or the other is belittling the other and programming the other. The last three are faith, hope, and love. Faith is the law of victory, 1 John 5, 4. We talk faith instead of doubt. Love is unselfish, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, and it never fails. Hope is the combination of faith and love and that saves the home, Romans 8:24. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.